It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning. Welcome into the Eagles Nest here in Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. Sorry for the slight delay this morning, folks. We were having some issues here in the Bradley Basin studio and the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University. But do not fear. We are finally here, and we are ready. And we're going to kick off the show today with some NFL talk. We're going to do a quick recap of Week 8 and a preview of Week 9. And the slate was kind of mid, Griggs. Yeah, it's been that way the last couple weeks. Oh, hello, Daniel. Good morning to you. Good morning. A little bit of a late start. But, yeah, last week, just we talked about on the show last week, it wasn't a great slate whatsoever. I mean, we had a few games on who you got. When we have a few NFL games on who you got with the amount of we, we both love the NFL, you know it's not a good slate. And, I mean, there were some competitive games, like Panthers-Falcons was competitive, Broncos-Jaguars, Cardinals-Vikings was close. Pats, Jets were close till the end. And then you also had, like, Titans, Texans, Commanders, Colts. I mean, these were close games just on paper going into them. It didn't look like the most compelling week of football. And same kind of thing this week where just not a lot of compelling stuff on paper. Yeah, um, you said it best. Just kind of not really that great. Uh, personally, the Saints did pretty good in Week 8, uh, beating the Raiders 24 to nothing. They did, yes. That was fun. But NFC South just weird, man. Yeah. The division's literally anyone's, um, so I'm really interested to see how that plays out. And just, we finally had a pretty entertaining game, in my opinion, on Thursday Night Football last week between the Ravens and the Buccaneers. The Ravens taking the 27-22 to win on the road. Tom Brady threw for 325 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing to see the Bucks come back into uh, fruition. I mean, no matter what, they're still going to be the favorite for most of the year in the NFC South, if everything's still looking as bad as it does. Yeah, everything would have to like go horribly wrong, I and, think. And this week, Thursday Night Football is not too much greater either. Like tonight, it's... Ooh, hold se- on, don't spoil it. 7.15 oh p.m. Gosh. on Prime. It's the undefeated 7-0 Philadelphia Eagles traveling to NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas to take on the 1-5-1 Houston Texans. Well, here's Davis Mills' shot. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, and I don't think this is going to be a team to knock off the Eagles, but who knows? Houston Eagles, same time as the World Series is going on. It was going to be a night. It was going to be back-to-back, but they had to delay the game due to rain, so game six would have been the same as the Eagles-Texans game, or the day after, or the day before. or I think actually the same day because they moved everything up a day. Yeah. So there's, no, there's a game tonight, so there won't be as much stuff in – Houston, but yeah, other games this week that stand out. Um, Chargers Falcons, that's a pretty interesting one. Just off the fact that the Falcons are doing better than people thought, and the Chargers are not doing as well as others thought. Yeah, my roommate desperately wants to go to this game, and I, I just I don't really know why. I don't really have much interest in it, but I yeah, I might end up there. And let's fly because we only have a couple minutes left for an episode. Yes, uh, quickly, quickly. Um, other games, uh, Bills Jets. I got the Bills in that one, but the Jets were just disappointing last week. I thought they had a real shot against the Patriots. I loved loved every minute of it. <laughs> uh, Vikings, Commanders, um, Kirk Cousins playing in a noon slot. I'm probably going to take Kirk Cousins. Yep. 
Vikings. Um, the two and five Raiders versus the two and six Jags. I think the Raiders are the best two and five team in probably NFL history. Yeah, and they sure have the best receiver of any two and five team mm-hmm. probably ever. So I'm gonna go with the Raiders as well. Um, Seahawks Cardinals. This could be a really big one determining the West as we get later into the year. But since the last game, the Call of Duty's dropped. And it's a I'll home. Prepare. You, you know how I talk about the home games matter more than the away exactly. games. Exactly. Kyler Murray, new Call of Duty, home where he's got his full setup. There's no way he's watching film. Yeah, Seahawks. Um, you don't get that kind of uh, analysis anywhere but here. No, but no. It's about the home games that matter more. People talk about Kyler Murray's Call of Duty thing for every game. No, it's only the home games where he's got that setup. Um, Rams, Bucks. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Rams. Bucks are the favorite in this one. Just, I'm not seeing anything from the Rams that surprised me. But same thing with the Bucks. So I'm going to go with the Bucks in this one, I think, since it's at home. And then we have this one, who you got? Just a quick comment on it. Titans, Chiefs. Uh, Titans. Oh, wait. Oh, shoot. Um, Derrick Henry. Have a good day. Oops. Spoiled it. Uh, yeah, I think Derrick Henry's going to have a good day. But then also, um, Mahomes and company are still good, and they're still the Chiefs. And then Monday night, uh, Ravens versus Saints in – the Superdome, that's an interesting matchup. Line is minus two and a half for the Ravens. I thought about making this trip because, I mean, it'd be a long day on Monday, but the Tuesday works out pretty well for me because I can just go to my 8 a.m. Then I don't have anywhere I have to be to our weekly Weagle sports meeting at 4 o'clock. Plus that Monday's the first Auburn regular season home game. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Can't do that. I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. Just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm never I mean the Saints, the Saints are again. better with that, but but six teams on bye this week. Who we're missing three games of football because of that? Yeah, and we're missing a couple usual prime time players: the Cowboys, Broncos, and Steelers, mm. and 49ers. They have a good amount. Broncos, ew. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of few stuff, we have a few minutes for this segment, so we're gonna have to go to a break early because of our technical difficulties. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're diving all into Auburn football and what is going on right now inside the athletics complex. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. In our shortened first segment, due to some technical problems, we talked about weeks eight kind of and nine of the nfl but now we are going to talk about what in the world is happening in the auburn football department and i just want to start by saying monday is the busiest day i've ever had as a sports journalist because mm-hmm. the news of brian harson broke about lunchtime so i should have had that pre that writ that story pre-written i don't know why i didn't but mm-hmm. i shot that out real quick then i pre-wrote a story about zach etheridge being named interim head coach since i thought that's what was, was going to happen but no, it was Cadillac, so I had to write a new one. And then I went home, put on my John Cena costume, and then <laughs> the news about Cohen broke. So I was like, well, gosh. So dressed up as John Cena, sitting in my uh, roommate's uh, bedroom, I real quickly got that story out as well. And then I went and just enjoyed my Halloween. So very busy day. Griggs, how was your Halloween? It was interesting, to say the least. Okay. But I wasn't feeling that well that day. And then that I sucks. also had... um. Uh, two tests on Tuesdays. Oh, I didn't really do too much. But if you're not an Auburn fan or you just didn't really know what's going on, we'll fill you in real quick. So Brian Harson was fired as the head coach of the Auburn football program. He finished with a record of 9-12, and 4-11 and against Power 5 opponents, 4-9 in SEC play. 
He lost seven of his last eight SEC games and lost nine of the last ten Power 5 games. Those last four stats coming courtesy of our friend Nathan King on Twitter. Got those from him. So this the saga is over, Daniel. Yeah, and you and I have always been very supportive up until about Penn State. You and I, I feel like this is a fact, we were both pretty supportive of Brian Harson, right? Everything that went down in February, we sat down in here and was like innocent until proven guilty because I legitimately believed. I really, really did. And, you know, just sometimes you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to accept you're wrong. And another thing, I wouldn't say we were always the biggest supporters of Harson's. I would say we were more, or at least I would say I was Harson optimistic. Yeah. Really. I, we were optimistic and we were fair. Yes. I think we just expected results. I mean, Rarely at a program of this caliber are you going to go three and five and keep your job, I think, especially after the way Auburn finished last year. They were six and two last year, ended up finishing the season six and seven. That's when I was highest on Brian Harson. After the Ole Miss game, I was like, holy crap, this team wins out. They're going to Atlanta. Like, why? no one saw this coming. And I thought that that was a realistic possibility, but then we just go up to Kyle Field. And for the first time ever, Auburn loses at Kyle Field. And it was just the most – do you remember that game? I turned it off after the third quarter. Yeah, I just couldn't Auburn, watch it. It was tied 3-3 going into the fourth, and then Auburn loses 20-3. It was just one of the worst football games I've ever seen. But, yeah, that just – it just wasn't a good fit. And I, I, I don't really like it. Like, I hate that it's that way because I like Brian Harson. He's a guy, He's a good guy. But, you know, sometimes in this crazy thing called life, things just don't go the way we think they should, you know? Mm-hmm. The thing is that I say is, like, granted, he came into a really rough situation to start off with. Yeah, true. But then I also say this, like, I said this a lot, and you know I said this a lot. You can be a great person without being a great coach. Exactly. That and should you not... can also be a great coach without being a great person. Exactly, which is why I don't... <laughs> Well, I don't really think when you bring this other stuff into it, like, oh, he's a great person, but he doesn't prove results. I mean, okay, but what's that going to do for us? Like, it's just going to keep pushing the program backwards, really. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just going to call it like it is. Harson was not a good recruiter. Like, coming from a school where you're automatically the top-tier program in your conference, so the recruiting's done for you, people mm-hmm. just want to play for you. The going into the the hotbed of recruiting, where you're competing with Nick Smart, Nick Smart, uh, goodness, Nick, Nick Saban, Saban <laughs> Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, you know Brian Kelly's a good recruiter. So you, you, there's just all sorts of things that you know play into that, and you just cannot come to the SEC and not be a good recruiter unless you're at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, you just need to prove something. I mean. Granted, you are surrounded by the two powerhouse programs currently in college football in uh, Alabama and Clemson, and not Clemson, uh, Georgia. Clemson to some extent, not that much as the other two. But you have to be able to just walk in there with some confidence and stuff and be able to get some results. I mean, get some players. I mean, you can't just be waiting there for, okay, if Bama and Georgia are not going for this guy, then we're just not going to heavily go after him because we know that we're not going to get him. Like, no, that should not be the mentality you have. You should be able to go after who you want and get him. Exactly. And especially just kind of what really tells you the quality program that, like, Auburn is, is look at our game against LSU. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two unranked teams, and that was a night game. 
And then I think it was Ole Miss and Arkansas, both ranked played that day. And it was an 11 a.m. game, which I feel like you just look. No, it was Ole Miss and Kentucky. But just look at that, and that tells you everything you need to know about just how big this Auburn program really is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just the way that Auburn – I mean, I think Auburn, when they come back and play against um, uh, A&M, is going to be a really good crowd. I think people are going to support the Cadillac Williams, the interim head coach right now, and just to support these guys because they've had a rough go of it these past couple weeks, and they need the Auburn family support now more than ever. They do, and I'm going to give it to them. I know you will. And it's just the right thing to do because, you know, as put aside the Auburn journalist thing, Mm -hmm. we're Auburn students first. Mm -hmm. So these are our classmates. These are our friends. So I'm going to support them no matter what. Yeah. I mean, always I wanted to win every game. Just now he's just got to go out there and just prove something really like no one's really expecting anything. You know, you got nothing to lose really. No. At this point. No, or I'm not going to say no expectations, but like you said, just very low pressure. Just go out have a good time, and play the best football you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about Cadillac? I'm going to be honest. I don't really know too much about him. I know he was a great running back here, but, again, coming in as, like, a non-Auburn fan, I didn't really hear too, too much about him because mm-hmm. they're kind of overshadowed by Bo and Cam, I think, in my regards. Are you aware of the 2004 team at all? I am. I know they were undefeated, but they had sanctions and stuff. But Yeah, and then they should have played for the uh, national championship, but they got scrubbed, and it was USC, and I can't remember who um, played for it instead because the BCS was just a wonderful system, Mm -hmm. sarcasm noted. But, yeah, he was just lights out. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, the go-crazy Cadillac play, I'm sure they'll play that on the screen on Saturday. Um, I just – I love Cadillac. He's one of my all-time favorite Auburn players – and he's just a really nice guy. The two times I've met him, he's just been so friendly. And I'm excited for him to get this opportunity. And then, you know, just being the first African-American coach, even though it is on an interim basis in mm-hmm. Auburn history, like, that's just really cool to see. And when he was asked about that in his uh, opening press conference, he was like, yeah, like, it, that gives me chills. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there is a little bit to be salvaged with this mm-hmm. football season. Maybe not a bowl game. But there's definitely some renewed energy and purpose. So what are your expectations for Cadillac then? Okay. So I think we beat Western Kentucky. Uh, I was skeptical on that a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But I think we take the one against the Hilltoppers. Mm -hmm. Then the remaining games, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Alabama. We're not beating Alabama. Okay, We're not. This is why I think this game coming up is our most important game. Yeah. Because if we lose this game... It's, yeah, but we're not going to a bowl game. Probably. I, th- I think we beat Texas A&M at home. I do. I, did, I do too. That's why I think this one's just so, so, so important, especially after what happened last year against Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, and, if the air raid just doesn't work, then I think Auburn sets themselves up pretty good. I mean, the thing is though, it didn't really work in the first part of the first half of that game, and they found a way to make it work because they just keep forcing it. Yeah. But yeah, but let's get into this a little bit more time. We got who's next? All right. Do you just want to give your top whatever and then talk about it or what do you want do i'll you want go i'll go my top i know my top two are set in stone right now i'm, I'm pretty trying to think sure we probably of three same. i'm trying to think of three but number two or i'll just start with number one just get out okay. of the way number one for me is lane kevin okay number one for me just the way he may he's not a greatest recruiter as like nick saban and kirby smart but he is the self-proclaimed and rightly so king of the transfer portal 
Mm-hmm. The amount of transfers he was able to get at Ole Miss was incredible. And the things he's done, and he's been he's been around some good programs and some good coaches. Like he was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban for a couple national championship teams. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing, and he knows this area since he was recruiting with Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. So he knows how what it takes. And then also just the fact that, like, he's got that electric personality, really, that people are drawn towards that. And, like, yeah. they want to play for him, really. And then the support here would be a more, much more better than it was at Ole Miss. Higher, like you have higher possibilities here. Way more you can do with NIL. Yes, that's what I was about to say. NIL is about to go crazy here at Auburn. And then a supportive. If I imagine they'll be supportive of Lane, the boosters, and the athletic department. Yeah. That's all you really need. Because that last time, you. I mean, let's be honest. Harson really only had the support from the athletic department, not really much of the boosters. Mm-hmm. Want and, me to give my number one? Yeah. Okay. So. I'm along the same lines as you, and I think we're going to have the same one and two, probably just flipped. I'm going with Dion. Mm-hmm. That's my number one. Um, I really like Dion Sanders. People want to play for him. He recruited two five-stars to Jackson State. So if he can do that there, imagine what he can do with Auburn. And then also he's just a great coach and a great motivator. So pair Dion with two good coordinators, and I really think you can have something special. Yeah, that's my number two. And here's why he wasn't my number one. It's just the fact that he doesn't grant – Green, he's done a good job so far. He just doesn't have that Power 5 coaching experience. Which I feel like Auburn, that's going to take a lot of convincing if Auburn decides not to go that route because they'd have to give a decent amount of money to Deion Sanders if he was going to leave Jackson State after what he's built there. Mm-hmm. The Under Armour connection is helping you there. He did make uh, Jackson State switch from Nike to Under Armour. But the thing is just, Grant, what you said, I think if he was paired with two good coordinators, that would work pretty well. The thing is just... I feel like that Power 5 coaching experience, like Auburn knows they cannot miss on another head coach. Right. They cannot have three to four head coaches in 10 years. Even yeah. short than that, six, seven years. That'd be unfathomable. Like That'd mm-hmm. be unacceptable. So they know this next guy they need to hire has to be a hit. You need the Bruce Pearl of Auburn, fo- Auburn football. You really do. I mean, that's why the people were saying, like, I didn't really know him too much. Like, the Tony Bar- you had to have Park. Tony Boney Barbie before Bruce Pearl. So oh, maybe... That's what happened. I don't really know much about him, but I know he wasn't here for too long. No. Um, That's our two. And then you have a random third one? I do. Okay. I do have a random third one. Call me biased. I don't care. There is a man who's a very good coach, very offensive-minded, who is currently looking for a job, and who said that he wanted to give the college ball route a try. Urban Meyer? Oh, God, no. (laughs) This man has built one of the greatest offenses the NFL's ever seen. Really? And along with an amazing quarterback who is an even more amazing person, and that man is Sean Payton. Sean Payton can coach. There's no doubt about it. He can build. Look at what he did with the Saints. He took a franchise that was probably one more natural disaster away from packing up and going to San Antonio and won them a Super Bowl when they had one playoff win before his tenure started. Can I say something on that, why I don't think that thing is? I think he's waiting in the shadows for – Dallas to fire Mike McCarthy. I yeah. think that's the one he's waiting for. I don't think he's going to go to the college route. I just imagine him just waiting there because the the past NFL winning NFL head coaches the college level hasn't worked. Like Herm Edwards did not work. No, that was a disaster. And my third guy, um, I don't want Jeff Grimes. I get that he was here, played here for a while. This is the one that people hasn't said. Make a make an offer to um. Make an offer to Luke Fickle. Yes. See what happens there. Make an offer to him. He's got the college football playoff experience. Granted, it's from the north, but he might be waiting for that either that Ohio State job or Notre Dame job to open up at some point in the future. 
but make an offer to him. See what happens, because that's yeah, an out-of-the-box uh, person, and he's been to where Auburn wants to be. Exactly. So that was my random sleeper pick. But that is going to do it for our Auburn football talk. When we come back, we're discussing the Week 10 slate of college football. My goodness, we only have three or four more weeks of college football left. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. You're once again hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and my good co-host, Daniel Locke. Last oh, seg- good co-host. Oh. <laughs> Last segment, we talked about the state of Auburn football and what is next in terms of that program. But now we're getting into a week 10 slate of college football. Only a few more left to go until conference championship Saturday and the selection shows in bowl season. So can we start with the maxion from last night? The maxion. Uh, which one? Which maxion? Kent State, Ball State. Yes, Ball State wins 27-20. Just, I don't know. I feel like maxion, like, granted, the weekday matchups aren't as bad as, like, no, the weekend matchups, like, aren't as bad as, like, the midweek. Yeah, but they're bad in a hilarious way. They are. Like, listen to this. Okay. Hold on. I want ESPN. Yeah, ESPN. Don't jinx it. Josh Paddock from Ball State. Do you think he has an NF, uh, NIL deal with Paddock like the watches? He's got to, right? I don't think so. Well, he I don't, should. I don't anyway. think they're looking at Ball State quarterbacks. <laughs> 26 of 41, 254 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, C. Schley, I'm not going to risk ESPN crashing, so I'm not going to open up his player profile to find out what his first name is. 25 of 41 for 183 yards and a touchdown. Man was slinging it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that is your Eagles Nest match and talk. Yeah, okay. Now uh, on to the real stuff. Uh, Saturday, let's just go around and see some games. Um, let's start at 11 a.m. in Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. The number two Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Northwestern Wildcats on ABC. Um, ESPN's minus FBI. 38. Holy crap. My, wow. Minus 38 in favor of the Buckeyes. Ouch. Uh, How many yards does C.J. Stroud throw for? I think I'm I'm guessing like 380. Probably around like 300 because then they're going to pull him because yeah, they can't true. risk it. Um, yeah, I was saying that one. Um, TCU playing Texas Tech. I thought this was going to be a more interesting game, but then I realized TCU is at home. TCU right now could be a sleeper team for the playoff. They just I agree. They can't lose a game they should they have to win, which is probably in their regards all of them. Granting that there's a slim chance there could be three SEC teams in the playoff. Very slim chance. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you have to hope for some trouble with uh, the Big Ten, like Ohio State and Michigan, and then Clemson, which Clemson's not going to lose another game. And then they're going to, Clemson's going to get like the three seed and they're going to get absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And then people will be like, oh, we can't wait for Chris Vizina to get here. <laughs> um, other games. We'll save this big one for a minute. Um, my goodness, these ranked teams are playing some awful teams this week. Um, Penn State playing, going to Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, thank you. I was take just about on, to go to there. Take on the Hoosiers, 230 on ABC. All right. Um, Want me to take the lead on this one? Let me just say something. I just don't. Uh, 14 and a half, like, I don't know. I feel like Penn State's going to have to have a bounce back after losing back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. Or wait, was it back-to-back games? Yes. I think it was. Yes, it was Ohio State and then... Michigan. No, wait. They lost to Michigan. They beat Minnesota. Then they That's lost to right. Ohio State. Okay. okay my right. apologies. No, you're fine. So, ESPN's giving you a 15.9% chance of winning. Okay? 
You have Bazalik at quarterback, 208 of 379 on the year for two, almost 2,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. You cut those interceptions down to three, and Indiana's a five and three team, Griggs. This team is so good, and they're so close. And what better time to step up and upset a big conference opponent than this? You have a team who's on the ropes, they've been beaten up. They've been proven to be massively overrated. So this is your time, Indiana. If there's a time to prove that the Indiana football program is alive and well, it is now. It really is. I mean, after that 2020 season, they really need a spark after this. Like, they have to get this spark because that it's starting to get to the point where that one that 2020 season might be seen as like a fluke for the Hoosiers. Yeah. You don't really want that to happen. You have to win a big game like this. Yeah, you need it bad. Um. Traveling to the real Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois, the Michigan Whoa, State now. Spartans are taking on the number 16 Illinois Fighting Illini, 7-1 right now, currently win- leading the Big Ten West. Line right now is minus 17 in favor of Illinois. But how far has this Michigan State team fell from the team that's been to the college ball playoff twice? A lot. A lot. They, they've really fallen far. And I, I think Mel Tucker's a great coach. I really do. And I think they'll get it going at some point. But for now, you've really got to wonder, what do you do immediately? That's why I'm so scared. Like, these first-year head coaches, they get these, they do well their first season. They get these giant contract extensions. And, like, this is where, like, problems can tend to happen. I mean. Yeah, and it's sort of like the Padres locking up Tatis his mm-hmm. rookie year. And, like, That's the Braves analogy. doing the same thing with um, Spencer Strider. Mm-hmm. I just think it's way too early. Like, anyone can have a good year. I could go out there and have a great year. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but you know mm-hmm. the sentiment's the same. So I just I, you need a couple. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, and like this Illinois team is one of the best defenses in the nation. Like they have yeah. the least amount of yards allowed per game. I think 224 is what it just said on ESPN. They had any sort of offense. They're a top ten team. Really, and then they are the they allow the least points and the least amount of yards per game. They average they give up 224 yards a game, and then they give up. 8.9 points a game. Granted, they're in the Big Ten, but my goodness, they're giving up fewer points in a game than Georgia is. And yep. they're number two, which is absolutely incredible. Brett Bielema has turned around that program after one year. And then at, to be at the top, Illinois at the top of all these other good defenses and stuff, it's actually incredible to see that they're – because no one thought Illinois would be back to this level after the Lovey Smith debacle, which I don't even know how he got another NFL job, which is bonkers yeah, to me. Yeah, that, that makes me curious too. Um, what other games can we look at? Um, Oklahoma State versus Kansas. The line right now, it's in Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State's a game, uh, is a point and a half favorite in this one. At line's a little short, but I imagine the line's that short. That means uh, Jalen Daniels is coming back for the Hawk, uh, for the Jayhawks. Yup. I feel like Kansas needs this one. It'd be so sad if Kansas goes five and zero off the jump and then loses out. That'd be the most Kansas football thing ever, though. It would be, I think, yeah. It would be sad, though. I really want them to make a bowl game. I do, too, but I love Oklahoma State, so I want Oklahoma State to just get this one, and then Kansas can win out for all I care. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we got? Syracuse at Pittsburgh. I think the Orange are going to bounce back in this one. I do, too. Um, you know, Obviously, Notre Dame took care of business last time out, but – Notre Dame's better than their record implies. I've been saying that, and I'm going to keep saying it. But now, we're traveling up to my favorite place, Piscataway, New Jersey. We just skipped 
three, two ranked matches to well, go to the jump to this one. We, we can circle back. This is huge. The number five Michigan Wolverines are coming in to take you on in your home of She Stadium. Tickets are $37. I feel like the stadium name has changed since the last week we talked about them. Is that just me? So, no. Anyway, Rutgers is good. I no, they're not. What, bro, they're not. They're four I, and four. I don't think since we started, you started specifically talking about Rutgers on this show that they've won a game. I'm pretty sure they haven't. Dude, Evan Simon is the future of the Big Ten, okay? 71 of 123 on the year for 740 yards, four touchdowns, and six picks. Now, I know those numbers aren't where they need to be, but they can definitely get there. And just look at this team, and they're out-recruiting Auburn. So I mean, that's not very hard to do right now. We've just talked about that in the last segment. Well, Rutgers is good. Great. To finish, they got Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Maryland. they got to win two of those games. Which two do you think they win? Okay. Yeah, well, probably Michigan State and Maryland, but they're both on the road. They win this week. That I know. Then they um, win. They be, okay, if they beat Michigan, I'll oh, they're buy. Beating Maryland if they, for if sure. they beat Michigan, I'll buy a Rutgers t-shirt and wear it on the show next week. Yes. But if Michigan covers, you have to admit that you're wrong. We don't talk about Rutgers football next week. If Michigan has to cover. Okay, let's do it. And then if no, if they don't if they don't co- if Michigan does if Michigan doesn't cover, but Rutgers doesn't win, just nothing happens and we continue like we do. Okay. Fair? Fair. So, I'm if I put 200 if I put $100 down, I'd win 1000 on this game. 2000. You'd, you'd, I mean. you'd lose $100. I'm not. That's uh, easy money if if you're so inclined. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, 6 p.m., the number six-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide travel to Baton Rouge to take on the number 10 LSU Tigers. Line is currently set as Alabama is a 13.5-point favorite. Uh, this is on our um, Who You Got, so we'll give our picks later for this one. But, yeah, just yeah. – I know I know LSU's improved a lot since losing to Florida State, but I don't know that if they've improved that much. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a big test. And, you know, if if LSU can somehow pull this off, I definitely think they move into the, like, SEC West conversation. Oh, definitely not. They would. They would. They would. They'd be one loss in conference. Yeah, and they'd give Alabama their second. And But this Alabama team is capable of being upset. Mm-hmm. It they hasn't are. gone that way every single time. But they definitely could have lost to Texas, and they definitely could have lost to Texas A&M. So... The LSU fans are going to bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be quite the environment in Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. So if there's another t- opportunity for Alabama to get upset, it's here. Not when Auburn plays them? Wow. Not very creative of you. I don't I'm like kidding. the lie. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, biggest game of the weekend by leaps and bounds at 2.30 p.m. on CBS. The number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers travel to Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia, to take on the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs line is in Georgia is an eight point favorite tickets right now are as low as four hundred and eighty eight dollars to get in the door. This is also one of our game or who you got games, but wow, what a matchup. This is one of the high, higher anticipated SEC East matchups we've ever seen. I would go as far as to say this is the this might as well be the SEC Eastern uh, division championship game. Yeah, it really is. I think so as well. I can't see Tennessee or Georgia dropping another game on their schedule. after they Georgia doesn't have to play Alabama. Tennessee already has. But this could very much decide something. But whoever loses this game, not going to go to the SEC Championship. They have to absolutely destroy teams on, on a route to be a one-loss playoff team, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. But 
I don't know, man. I'm really I can't I, wait. I know which way I'm leaning on that one. I um, do. quickly go through these real quickly. Uh, we're talking about all these in our pickums later. Um, Clemson Notre Dame. That's gonna be close, but I don't think that way. Um, Texas, uh, Kansas State. Does Kansas State hold on for this big one after last weekend? Actually, this isn't one of our Who You Got games. I'm going Kansas State, I think. Um, okay. 6 o'clock, FS1. Hmm. They just they destroyed Oklahoma State. Like, they, did. they didn't give them a chance. And Texas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. No chance. I'm going with Yeah, I think the I'm Wildcats going are going to uh, run off the momentum. Uh, Wake at NC State line. Wake is a four-point favorite. I think Wake's going to bounce. Or, yeah, this is our Who You Got game, but I think Wake will bounce back. Yeah, after I, last week against Louisville, which Wake always goes to Louisville and always finds a way to just make it interesting, whether they lose or they'll win big. They'll lose big or win big. It's just yeah, crazy I mean, every single time. Stuff happens. It's just mm-hmm. part of football. It is. Um, um, but this NC State team's massively overrated, and mm-hmm. I think Sam Hartman and Wake Forest get it back on track. Uh, last one. I'm looking at it right now. Well, I have a funny story real quick. All right, we got like so, two seconds. I got you. When I was covering the game last week for Auburn, I wrote Sam Hartman said in my article, meaning to write Sam Pittman. Ah. And then when I was walking home, I was like, I just feel like I did something wrong. <laughs> so I looked at my article. I was like, oh. I feel like I did something wrong. <laughs> That's funny. But that is going to do it for our college football talk. When we come back, we're talking about the world of the NBA and NHL. So don't turn that dial. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. So far today, we've talked about weeks 8 and 9 of the NFL. We've talked about what in the world is going on in the Auburn Athletics Department, particularly football. Then we talked about college football week 10, and it is sure to be a good one. And now, to bring up the speed, we are going to close out the first hour by talking about the world of the two winner sports the National Basketball Association, and the National Hockey League. And we're going to start in the NBA, and we're going to talk about what happened last night. I was keeping up with this one sparingly during the Auburn scrimmage against UAH. The Celtics fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers 114-113 in overtime. This Cavs team is starting to look a little bit legit. Dude, they are. like they Six and one. We've dr- we've fallen to them in overtime twice, but hey, Jalen Brown scored thirty last night. The Bucks are the only undefeated team left in the NBA. Let me do a quick run through yeah, the of the standings. First place, the Milwaukee Bucks, seven and zero on the season, only undefeated team in the National Basketball Association. Followed in second place by the Cleveland Cavaliers, a game back. Third and fourth at five and three are the Toronto Raptors and the Atlanta Hawks. Fifth place, four and three are the Boston Celtics. Sixth place are the Chicago Bulls. Seventh, Washington Wizards, four and four. Eight and nine, both four or five, Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat. And in 10th place are the New York Knicks, followed by them, are the Pacers and the Hornets. And then over on the West, the Suns have the lead in the Western Conference, six and one, followed by the Trailblazers and the Jazz, both one game back. And then one and a half games back are the Grizzlies and Spurs. And then two games back are a bunch of teams, the Nuggets, Pelicans, Thunder, and Mavericks. And then two and a half games back are the 10th placed Timberwolves, and the 11th-placed Clippers. Um, Daniel, I want you to take a look at these standings. I know you have them up. Look at that; those bottom f- five teams in the West and let me know your reaction to that. All right, so two of them are expected, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rockets rebuilding, and Jabari Smith's going to get them there, and they're going to be good in a few years. And Sacramento, 
my roommate Ethan and I were kind of not debating, but discussing who the two most least popular teams in the NBA are. I mean, yeah, he was telling me about this. Uh, Kings and Magic is what we deduced. But then looking at the rest of them, my three least favorite teams in the NBA are down here, mm-hmm. and I love it. How does this affect LeBron's you... legacy? It tarnishes <laughs> it. How does it affect That's my the Warriors? Line. I'm sorry. <laughs> How does it affect the Warriors? Draymond Green's trash. How does it affect the Clippers? I don't care. They're too irrelevant for me to care. I was about to say, what is your problem with the Clippers? <laughs> they just annoy me. I get that. You, Why well, you have a problem with the Warriors and the Lakers? But like, I don't. What do the Clippers ever do? You don't find the Clippers annoying? Not really. I like them when Chris Paul was there every year, and they don't do anything. I mean, I can't give them. I mean, they didn't have too much hype last year. Kawhi Leonard was out like the entire year. This year they do have a lot. I wouldn't say this year four and four off the jump is not acceptable for them. They need that. I mean, you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. When Kawhi Leonard is at his best, he's a top five player in this league. I agree. That's unacceptable. I really miss then, him on the Spurs. That was so rant. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember him being like. I forgot he was on the Spurs sometimes. I think about more on the Raptors just because he won yeah, that. True. And for like he was there for like a year, really. And then the Clippers. But I mean, Paul George, I mean, do something, my my friend. You you or have not. to help him out. Or or not if you're Daniel. But then the Warriors, it's just the fact that this old this core that they're getting to, the not not Steph Curry. Steph Curry's still in a league of his own. The Draymond and Clay thing. Those guys are garbage. They both had both Clay's had significant injuries. He's had to come back from. Draymond's just getting old, when older in this league, but then, but still, then Steph's now having to do more of the heavy lifting, kind of like how yeah. it was in the year when Clay was out and they got the third pick. I think what was that? I think that was twenty twenty, right? Yeah, yeah, it was twenty twenty where they got the third, uh, the second overall pick, where Steph had to carry them all out of that year, and just Steph was still putting up really good numbers. It's just when he didn't have any help, it was hard for him. Kind of like those LeBron teams back. In the day where LeBron had to do everything, and they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and always lose to the Celtics. Yeah, ooh, yeah, ooh. that's a good comparison. Um, I just really dislike all three of these teams. I said that. I'll say it again. But I kind of want to do the same thing we just did, but on the Eastern side. There's only one team that surprised me. That's down there. Yeah. So my second favorite team in the NBA, the Charlotte Hornets. I really think that they can work themselves back up into the play-in. Here's the thing, also about that. Like we don't. I'm a Hornets fan. People don't know. Terry Rozier, Cody Martin, and LaMelo Ball have been out. Like, uh, Cody and uh, Terry played, like, the first, like, game. And then after that, they've not played any game. Mm-hmm. So I'm still surprised. We we lost to the Magic, and for some reason, the Hornets still have um, the number of the um, – we still have the um, – we still have the number of the Warriors. Whenever they, they – we have, like, a five-game winning streak against the Warriors in Charlotte, which is unbelievable to think about. You think Steph Curry coming back to his hometown would – Want to beat the stuffing out of this team? Yeah, just doesn't. I still think. I hope he retires to the Hornet. Fingers crossed. Um, his dad still announces the team, but again, what do I say? To, you know what I say, Daniel, every year about the Hornets. What am I going to say? Big man away. Exactly. They're not a big man away this year. They're a big man away from competing in the the play in or playoffs. Not like my high up. And you just sent your fifteenth overall pick down to the G League, who was the center from Duke. I don't know. It's just because right in the spot we're here right now, we're probably going to get around the eighth, ninth, tenth pick like we always do. And just with that pick, there's just really hit or miss right there, especially yeah. in the NBA. NBA draft picks are really hard to come by. People oh, forget. For sure. Like if you find, especially if you get a second round pick into a second contract, job well done. Mm-hmm. But just the Hornets have just missed so many of these draft picks. And the fact that Miles Bridges isn't there right now is just, I wouldn't say like it's really hurting us too, too much as I thought it would. We're still three and five. Mm-hmm. But we need to get Lamelo and Terry back for sure. Yeah, 
So looking at the team, it's right below the Hornets, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they just they, fired Steve Nash. They fired Steve Nash and hired Ime Udoka. And right, honestly, is that confirmed that they've hired Ime? I still I feel like that's think, not been pen to paper yet. I don't know. Because um, I remember the the announcer or the, um, so the GM of the Nets came out and said we've made any decisions the other day. But that is the leading. For, let's just go with that. He's the leading candidate right now for them which is ridiculous and i feel like that tells you everything you need to know about this uh nets organization and look i had the utmost respect for ime udoka but as, as a celtics fan i love the guy a lot but i just after hearing what all has come to light i just can't support him anymore and i just find it kind of funny that the nets are even entertaining this but i guess it makes sense that, that you would pair him up with um kyrie irving and as a Celtics fan, it makes me really glad to see kind of the basketball world turning on Kyrie Irving because, you know, he said some very nasty things about us. So, and I like th- it. And the thing is with the, the, on the Celtics part that I'm kind of confused about, why would you let him walk for free? Because he was a Coach of the Year candidate last year, and you're letting him walk for free. Granted, he has this year suspension that they've imposed on themselves. It's not an NBA suspension. But, like, why are you letting him walk for free to an Eastern Conference opponent that you played in the playoffs last year? I feel like the underlying issues are that bad. They just figured it was an easy way to get out of it. But then, yeah, but it's kind of what I said the other day to you. I saw it on Twitter, too, like from a Charlotte sports guy's name's uh, T-Bone. He's on a morning show I like down there in Charlotte. Someone's like, so basically, email, someone tweets, basically, email Adoku is getting no punishment for this entire situation that's happened in Boston. And then this guy, I like, replies, or quote tweets, it goes, well, he has to coach Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And then that's yeah. the punishment. Just I, th- I think he's being punished. Kevin Durant, I'm, I feel so bad for the guy, man. He just... I, I don't. Never should have I mean, left I like KC. Katie. I, I know, but he knew he wasn't going to... I don't know. I, Dude, Le, LeBron and winning Russ, in, LeBron yeah, winning in Cleveland and Giannis winning in um, Bro, Milwaukee kind of you, you messed really up my brain. You really don't think that if Russ and KD kept playing together, you don't think they ever would have gotten it done? I mean, they had to keep that whole court together. I mean, they didn't go far without once Harden left. Think about that one. I wish... And then Abaka... Also, those four were incredible. They just only really had, like, one really, really good chance at it. Yeah, but just think about this. You've got the Warriors core. You've got the Spurs core. And you've got that uh, Thunder core head-to-head-to-head to head to head every year in the West. It would have been a war. But to think about it, those three of those guys, not Nabaka, three of those guys could be the best player on any team. That, most of the teams that walk into this league, 20% yeah. or around 80% of the teams. Yeah. They knew that could get more money, and they knew that the Oklahoma City couldn't pay them that much because – Let's be honest. I think Oklahoma City is the smallest basketball market in the NBA. I believe that is to be correct. Um, I think so. I would either guess that or Salt Lake City, Utah Jazz. That, either one of those would be my guess. But I know, or actually, I take that back. Salt Lake City is pretty big. Um, largest to small city, according to Bleach Report. I think this is a couple years ago. Actually, the smallest is, uh, oh, they still have New Jersey. Okay, so this is an outdated list. They still have, like, they still have the New Jersey Nets. Ew. Um, smallest television market though is the Memphis Grizzlies, which I didn't think that was going to be the answer, but, um, yeah, I just don't know really. And then right now, MVP or talk right now, I mean, Luca is that guy. Luca is incredible right now. Yeah, I agree. And then Giannis is still playing pretty good too. I mean, if they go a far away, I think they could make some noise, but then, Memphis, okay, Memphis is the smallest NBA city, followed by New Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans. Or this is by TV market size, really. So it's I gotcha. related to population. But the smallest population size, uh, you were correct, Utah, two, a million and two, uh, 1.2 million, followed by the Pelicans, 
1.27, Memphis 1.3, and then Oklahoma City 1.4. So yeah, that's balanced. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're good. You're right there. But yeah, I just I don't know what to think right now because uh, we got, we were talking about this a whole thing about the Nets when we transitioned to Oklahoma City. What's the one thing that surprised you so far? I say Cleveland, really. I know, we're, and then Portland for me in the West. Portland's done incredible. Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about NHL. I just realized that. That's yeah, fine. I'm going to go with Toronto out of the East, and I'm going to second what you said, Portland out of the West, but I've also been pretty impressed with Utah. Oh, yeah, Utah for sure. They trade away their two big pieces, and they're still competing right but now. But they got their big man for the future. They do, Walker Kessler. Um, quick NHL talk. Vegas leads the West, 18 points. Boston leads the East, 18 Woo! points. The Bees, baby. Game tonight against the Rangers. Uh, points leaders, of course. Well, who else? Connor McDavid in first, 22. Leon Dreisel second with 21. Bro, David Pasternak's got to be close. He's third with 18, followed ah, by Panarin, my guy Panarin, 16. All right, David, hat trick tonight. And then goals, Connor McDavid leads the league, of course, 11 goals. Um, pl- uh, wins, uh, Ulmark, still looking pretty good. We talked about him last week, still competing pretty oh, well. Yeah. And then Shesterkin's catching up along with Fleury. And other thing that's things sticking out to me, again, we talked about the resurgence of Carter Hart's been really good to watch. It has been. And then standing-wise, just looking around here, um, the Capitals are kind of disappointed. Or that whole Metropolitan di- Division is so close right now. Yeah, I agree. It's 14 points for the Jerseys who are in first right now, and then the Penguins who are second to last were with 10. So it's anyone. I, I hope it stays like this the entire year. That would be incredible to watch. That would be fun. The playoffs. That would be some good hockey. Right now the Blackhawks, 10 points. They're middle of the way through in the Western Conference. Fingers crossed. Let's. What's the wild card thing? Does ESPN even release that yet? Ooh, the Blackhawks. Oh, they'd be the first team out right now in the wild card. But they'd be above the Avalanche, which would be cr- if the Avalanche don't make the playoffs after we both predicted them to win it all again. I'd be very sad. Yeah, me too. That'd be kind of embarrassing. Yeah. But that is about all the time we have for basketball and hockey today. I know we didn't talk much about hockey. Definitely would have liked to have more, but time constraints. If you have any hockey takes that you want Griggs or I to hear. Feel free to tweet us at Daniel J. Locke or at D. Griggs B, and we will read them on the air. But now, when we come back, it is 30 minutes of college basketball. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Stay with us for one more hour. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the <laughs> Eagles Nest, everybody. You're once again hanging out with Griggs and Daniel Locke. This is the second hour of the show. We are now getting into our extended preview of college basketball it is going to be an incredible year of college basketball let's go ahead and quickly run through the ap poll the you mind pre- if i do it go for it all right so starting out at number one a team that is the alma mater of griggs's mother mm-hmm. the north carolina tar heels with 47 first place votes they are my pick to win the national championship don't know if i was supposed to say that right now or not but we'll say that well, i'll say mine till the end i think all right then in second place, the number tw- or with 12 votes, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I'm very excited. My dad is an alumni of the University of Alabama, and Gonzaga is coming down to play them at Birmingham. So my dad and I, I, I think we're going to that game. I'm very excited. I really want to see this team play. And third place with one vote is the Houston Cougars. That one's kind of surprising. Then in fourth place with two first-place votes, the Kentucky Wildcats. Fifth place, the Kansas Jayhawks. Also tied for fifth place is the Baylor Bears. 
In 7th place, the Coach Kalis Duke Blue Devils. 8th place, UCLA Bruins. 9, Creighton Blue Jays. 10, the Arkansas Razorbacks. 11, the Tennessee Volunteers. Number 12, the Texas Longhorns. Number 13, I love this, but, you know, I think it's wrong, I'll be honest. (laughs) Number 13, Indiana Hoosiers. Number 14, the TCU Horned Frogs. Number 15, our beloved Auburn Tigers. Number 16, the Villanova Wildcats. Number 17, the Arizona Wildcats. Number 18, the Virginia Cavaliers. Number 19 is San Diego State. Is it Spartans? I think so, yeah. No, that's San Jose State. Aztecs. Aztecs, yes, that's what it was. Um, Number 20, severely overrated, is the Alabama Crimson Tide. But I like when Alabama's overrated in basketball because it always means they flop. Um, Number 21, the Oregon Ducks. Number 22, the Michigan Wolverines. Number 23, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Illinois. Oh, what did I say? It sounded wrong. Oh. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, Number 24, Dayton Flyers. And number 25, Texas Tech. Then on the outside looking in, Texas A&M, UConn, Miami, Purdue, St. Louis, who Auburn plays, Michigan State, Florida State, Xavier, Wyoming, Ohio State, Iowa, Rutgers, Florida, USC, Toledo, Virginia Tech, Memphis, and Notre Dame, and UAB. And one thing I want to highlight is just how many of these teams who are on the outside looking in right now that Auburn will play this year. Texas A&M, St. Louis, um, Florida, USC, and Memphis. Like, that's a lot. It is. It is a lot. That is a lot of teams. Like, again, that St. Louis team, I've been saying it for a while. I think that's the most – that is one of the best group of five teams out there Dude, right now. Good. Or not like – I'm including the Big East in the group of five yeah. for basketball, power six, really. But Bro, that is a good, that is a good team. A they did. Year. They did. And their point guard, Yuri Collins, I think he led the nation in assists last year. He's good. So that's going to be a big game in Auburn or Neville Arena now after the Iron Bowl that Saturday. So that's Are you going to be able to make it for that? I will be able to make it for that. that I, Sweet. I, I might be driving really early that morning, but I will make it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have, um, you said, um, looking at through this list also, you have Florida, who you play this year. Um, I'm surprised. This is some disrespect. i got to mention this. Virginia Tech getting one vote last year after winning the ACC tournament last year and then making it to the second round of the uh, – March or they, I think they made it to the second. They lose in the first round. I think they made second. I think they did, but I feel I can't remember if they lost a lot of people. But I just feel like that's a little low yeah, for them. I would agree. But Kentucky number four. I mean, I know you're surprised by Houston, but Kelvin Sampson's built that into a really really top program. Mm-hmm. They made the final four, the 2020. Yeah, they got absolutely destroyed by Baylor. I don't know if you remember that game. It was the game before Gonzaga UCLA. That was brutal, but Duke at number seven. It's going to be interesting to see because following Coach K's shadow, you granted you're still recruiting at a very high level. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be like a Nick Saban when he leaves Alabama thing where if things start to go poorly quick, are they going to turn to an outside hire? Or I think they're at least going to give John Shire a year. Same thing I said with um, uh, Roy Williams giving it to um, and then uh, Hubert Davis getting it. Like I met Hubert over summer. He's really nice. Um, he coach Hubert Davis. Um, but I mean, think about it. We were talking about this on the show a couple times, especially near the Final Four. North Carolina lost to Pittsburgh at home on February fourteenth, and they made the fi- they made the national championship game. Like, yeah. let's be honest here. If they don't beat Duke at Cameron, I don't think reg- regarding a run of the final game or winning the AC championship, they're not making the tournament. No. And then they make the final 
the uh, the national championship, which is that much more incredible. That a team that like that's why I call it, that's why March Madness is so good because all oh, these yeah. teams like St. Peter's made the Elite Eight for goodness sakes. I forgot about that. Oh my goodness! A uh, 15 seed. There's never been a 15 seed to leave the Sweet 16. They made it to the Elite Eight. They beat Purdue. They beat Kentucky. Then then they uh, I can't remember who they beat in that second round game. Um, crud. So long ago. It feels like a year ago. I don't know. I'm looking that up right now. They uh, they beat Murray State. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, now. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I do. But yeah, it's just that's why college basketball is so crazy. And then looking down and down this list, I think um, Arkansas ten. I think they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be scary this year, man. And then Tennessee when they beat Gonzaga by like 18 points in a closed door scrimmage, or it was streamed without Josiah Jordan James. Mm-hmm. This may be one of the best years in Tennessee history. I agree. But Rick, it's they still have Rick Barnes as their coach, so they got to watch out for that one. And then other thing that. I think Creighton's going to be really good this year, too. I agree. McDermott's got a good team up there. And then I always believe in Mick Cronin at UCLA. Yeah, I'm I think that's that. going to be a good, good team. And then Indiana, kind of the same thing as North Carolina without the tournament thing that happened last year where Mike Woodson wasn't looking too hot at the very start of it. And then once it got into gears, it started to look better. And then they get their best player back, who's one of the best players in the country. That's why it's crazy about college basketball. Because you could be the best player in college basketball and like not get drafted. Sure. Like Oscar Tashibwe, I'd be very surprised if he gets drafted in the early second round. Yeah. Because he just does those bills just don't translate the pro ball. No, they don't. Same thing with Kofi Co- Coburn from in- Illinois. Like he wasn't drafted. And then the AC player of the year at Wake Forest, Alonis Williams, doesn't get drafted. And then you know who does get drafted? One of the most overrated five stars of the 2021 class, J.D. Davison, who scored zero points against Jacksonville State, zero points against the Auburn Tigers, zero points against anyone, and he gets drafted. And he, Daniel's calling it like it is, people. He's a Celtics fan. He He's calling it like that it is. That was a waste. Mm. If, if you're going to draft welcome that. To, welcome to my life, Daniel. Just be like, you know what? We're going to donate our pick to charity. <laughs> We're going to give our pick to Orlando. They should have done that. That's what I would have done. That's hilarious. Whatever. But, Griggs, you know, we love college basketball. This is like going back to when Griggs first came on the show back last January. It was all college basketball talk since I was the talk of the town. So it really feels like we're getting back to our bread and butter here. Mm-hmm. So I know we have 15 more minutes uh, after – we have five minutes in this segment and then 15 more for college basketball. I don't really know what we had planned, but – just think, give me your sleeper from every conference. From every con, I'll just do Power Five in the Big yeah, East. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so let me look at the standings right now. Just clean slate. Um, out of the um, out of the ACC, the sleeper team. I think I said in the last time. I think I'll say Virginia Tech. Yeah. Just the way they finished last year, just going to be incredible. And the ACC whether you like it or not, is the most historic and probably best basketball conference. I would agree. Because after last year, like, everyone was talking down the ACC. What a terrible year. It's just Duke. They get two teams to the Final Four. Yeah. And the Big Ten's done by the Sweet 16, which is still crazy to think about. Out of the Big out of the Big 12, it's hard with the sleeper team in this one because all the best teams are just mm-hmm. – I'd probably say West Virginia, who Auburn travels to this year because uh, Bob Huggins is a really good coach and – is he the one that wears the windsuit? No, he's the one that always sits on the stool. 
Okay, with yeah, like yeah. the gray hair and stuff yes, on the stool. Yes. So I think that'd be good. But then those teams right there: Baylor, Kansas, TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech. Sometimes, true, really, really good. Um, Big East. I think I said Creighton's gonna win. Don't be surprised about Seton Hall with uh, uh, um, Holloway. I forgot what his first name was. The coach who was at St. Peter's, former St. Seton Hall player. Now he's back at St. Seton Hall. Don't be surprised at that. And then also Providence. They lose a lot of people, but yeah. that's still a good team. They can. Providence is always a lock to make the round of 32, I feel like. Yeah, they're good. Um, hmm. Big Ten. Big Ten doesn't have like a lot, a lot this year. Purdue's not ranked, so give me Purdue. They still have Zach Eady there. I think they can make some noise because this is a conference that tends to shift a lot going towards the final couple weeks. Um, what other conferences have I not mentioned yet? Pac-12. The Pac-12. I'm scrolling down right now to get there. Pac-12. Um, give me Arizona State. I don't like Bobby Hurley as a coach, but they got a lot of transfer. They got Devin Cambridge here, there now, and his brother. So we were I think some of the first people to break that news when he transferred. We were indeed. And then so. I got Arizona State. I don't like Bobby Hurley, but I think that's going to be a decent team. Um, and then the Southeastern Conference, sleeper team. Uh, me and our friend Jack, who's been on the show yesterday, we're talking about it. Give me the Florida Gators. With Colin Castleton coming back, that team is just interesting. New coach, new everything. That team could be very, very interesting. Because I don't think – I was potentially thinking about South Carolina, but – they only have Gigi Jackson. It's gonna be, I feel like, another like L, like Ben Simmons at LSU thing, or like Markel Fultz at Washington. Where it's that one guy, but they don't make the tournament still. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna go Florida. And did I miss any? I, I don't think, so. think I did. I think that's it. And then one random team. I already. I'll St. Louis. Really, really good. I will talk about that till the day after we play them. So yeah. But right, yeah, I'll do mine real quick. So out of the ACC, don't call me biased. I'm gonna go with Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They upset Alabama in the first round last year. They have a lot of their players back, so I think that they have the ability to, to um, have another big upset like that. Out of the Big 12, this is hard, um, but just to be different, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. They round out the AP poll, ranked number 25, but I think that they're really going to be able to compete with the likes of Baylor and Kansas this year. Out of the Big East, I'm going to go with Providence. Um, I'm going to go with Providence. I'm going to go with Georgetown. Hmm. Um, I think one of those can really make a splash in the tournament. Heading to the Big Ten, definitely don't call me biased. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going with Indiana. Uh, I'm going to go with Iowa. I really think that they get things back on track. They've been pretty good the past couple years, and I know like last year it didn't really go amazing in the tournament, but they did. Did they win the Big Ten? Who? Iowa. Yeah, they did. Okay. So I'm just kind of surprised they aren't ranked, but I definitely think they'll get there soon. And I really think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Moving on to the Pac-12, I'm going to go with USC. Auburn's got them on the schedule. Mm, yes, good pick. And I like that. they're receiving some votes to be ranked, Griggs. Mm-hmm. So I think that this team could compete. And then coming home to the Southeastern Conference, obviously Auburn's the GOAT. So, you know, they're going to be really good. But I'm not going to pick them just for the sake of not being biased. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. They make a, I think you could call it a miracle run to the SEC championship game down in Tampa last year, but they come up just short. I definitely think that they can make a splash this year, though. And with that, we're going to go to a quick break, but we have 15 more minutes of college basketball talk on the other side of this, 
You're listening to the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. So far today we've talked about NFL, college football, Auburn football, college basketball, NBA, NHL, and now it is time for the Auburn basketball preview. The Tigers check in at number 15 in the AP poll, and last night they beat the University of Alabama Huntsville Chargers 80-something to 60-something. I think that was right. I think it was 86 to 69 or something like that. Yeah, Jalen Williams right. played pretty good. He had 16 points. I mean, he had fouls. That If he didn't have those fouls, he would have been, well, we could have seen a lot better thing. But it's really good that Auburn didn't blow him out because I was looking at the bat pass stuff. Like they kept if they kept it within like sixteen stuff, they did some good things. But then when they had forty they scored forty four in the twenty nineteen, twenty twenty one, and then there was a pandemic. Yeah. So take that as you will. But it is a new season for Auburn basketball and we are talking about that now. So roster turnover, let's go through it a little bit. So Auburn of course loses Jabari Smith and Walker Kester to the NBA. And then you had Devin Cambridge transfer out. Other than that, you don't really lose too many pieces that you were using. But they gained some pretty valuable people in Yoan Treo from Tours, France. Uh, 6'10", 225 pound freshman forward. Originally committed to Will Wade at LSU. Trans- uh, the commits comes here. Did they ever get their sanctions? Not yet. Me and Jack were talking about that the other day. I think I don't know if they're going to put too, too much because they already fired Will Wade and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, Chance Westry also, he was injured right now. I think he's going to be very, very good. He showed out when the Auburn Tigers played in Israel this summer. Um, you also, you also add Trey Donaldson, a 6'2 guard from Tallahassee, Florida, was originally a two-sport athlete, football and basketball. Now it's just completely basketball. But this guy is who I'm really looking out for this year. He, he was very interesting in the preseason. I remember he was a person that needed some work, they said, but he's been, he performed pretty well last night. He... The way Auburn needs people to be able to drive to the basket, and he's definitely one that is not afraid to do that. Yeah. And then you also get Jonai Broom, transfer from Moorhead State, 6'10", uh, forward out of Plant City, Florida. And then I think that's it for the main names that we've got transferred in. So there's that, and then you return a lot of your starters. You return three of your – however your lineup is, three of your starters out of your two – we don't really know what the starters are going to be right now, but if I had to guess, I think it's going to be Window Green at the one, Katie Johnson at the two, Allen uh, Flanning at the three. At the four right now, it's between Jalen and Yoan, you'd say, right? Yes. That is a very hard pick for me. I'm with you. Because that, that is hard. I think if Yo- when Yohan gets into like a shooting span, he can be... Money, kind of like how Window Green was at the end of last year, where if he was hot, he was hot. If he was cold, he was pretty cold. But then you have Jalen, who's just more consistent in that regard. Like, he won't get as hot as Yoan in that regard shooting, but you can rely on him more. So I think that's what's going to come down to the wire on Monday. Same with the center position between Jonai Broom and Dylan Cardwell. Yeah. So this team right now, so you lose Jabari uh, Jabari and Walker Kessler. You have to find ways to get back their scoring on that, so Jabari's scoring and defensive play as well as mainly Walker's defense. Yeah. How do the Tigers kind of respond to that, really? Well, um, last year, one thing that I saw that I really liked was when Zepp Jasper would shoot, mm-hmm. he would score a lot. But he was kind of used more as a defensive guard, 
uh, as well as KD Johnson. And Wendell Green was used to do a lot of the shooting. So I feel like if they spread the ball out a little more between the guards, uh, I feel like they can score a lot more efficiently than they did last year. Alan Flanagan, also, if he he looked pretty good last night. So if he's back to his 2020-2021 form, I'm really, really excited. And I don't think he should have played really last year because you, you don't want to rush an Achilles injury. Like, look at Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves. That's prime what happens when you rush an Achilles injury. You re-tear it. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a year recovery. So I kind of think Allen would have done better if he for himself if he just hadn't played last year or maybe just went ahead to the NBA, nursed that heel up, and then came back and played. But hopefully he's better now and good to go and can really be a force. He looked pretty good last night he in that did. regard. He made a three. He made some stuff. After he fell near me and our good friend Connor. Bro, that was nuts. That but was crazy. I just want to shout out Griggs and Connor for how they responded to that. They helped Allen up. They got him back out on the floor and then reset the four or five chairs they knocked over. So, Griggs, good job. Thank you. But then Allen made a three like pretty soon after that. So, yeah. should Connor and I be included in the stat sheet? Sure. Think about it. Yeah. It's an assist. I think so. Yeah, it is an assist. You're right. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that him returning to the form he was in 2020 is – very crucial for Auburn to have some success. And the thing I think mainly for Auburn to have success this year is you have to be able to get points inside. Yeah. That is the main thing I saw last night. I think that's the main thing people were thinking. You have a lot of shooters out there. Wendell Green can shoot it. Katie Johnson didn't shoot it that well last night, but he admitted it. So I think he'll definitely be better in that regard. Um, we need to try to get him on the show. That'd be so fun. That'd be insane. We'll see what we can make happen. And then we also had Alan Flanagan, who – can shoot pretty well. I mean, also, Wendell Green shooting in, in mid-range last night looked pretty good. So don't be afraid to do that more. And then our fours are pretty good. I think our fours will be our most consistent three shooters in that regard, I feel like. And then our centers. Yeah, I agree. And then you also have to find a way to overcome zone. I feel like that was our the main problem I saw last night. And when Miami ran it, we didn't know what to do. True. So I think we, we need to find a way to just be able to get and find the zone and be able to react to it. Am I crazy on that, or am I leading us down the right path? No, I think you're uh, heading in the right direction. Yeah. But you know what my favorite part of the game was last night? Uh, I see on your screen, but that was also one of my favorite parts, too, so go ahead. So, Auburn fans love the walk-ons. Um, we love Lior Berman. He is one of my favorite players. He's the Berminator. Such a nice guy. The Berminator. He looked at me during the lines when we said that. He pointed at me, so. I love that, that guy. So, I really think that any time, well, obviously any time you see the walk-ons, things have gone pretty well. They've either gone very well or very bad, no, not in between. You're not going to see a walk-on coming in a clutch situation. But in addition to Leor Berman, Carter Sabera, Mr. 100 against Alabama, the man who crossed up J.D. Davison. So hmm. maybe the Celtics should have drafted Carter Sabera. I mean, Mr. 100. Yeah. That's what I call him. I don't, no one, they didn't really catch on. I tried to get to catch on last night. It's okay. Yeah, it I'm sad. Um, but, yeah, I think this team's going to be good. I mean, if they just get that shooting consistency down, don't be afraid of the mid-range jumper and can find ways to pass the ball effectively inside. I think that could be this could be a really, really good team. We're ranked higher than we were at the start of last season. Twenty, We were starting, I think, at 22 last year. We're at 15 yeah. now. So a lot higher expectations now with a little bit less talent than we had last year. I mean, losing Jabari and Walker will yeah, do that. that that's there's some players that are just kind of irreplaceable. But then we do gain that with Johan, if he can if he can get into form with that. And then Jani Broom. I mean, he, he had a, didn't – I mean, Bruce said afterwards he had like a 
a little bit of a messed up ankle, but he should be able to overcome that. He tore or not tore him up, but he did really good against Walker last year. I mean, he did. Yeah, that was one of the centers that did well. I think was that an exhibition or was that an actual game? That was the first game of the year. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. But yeah, I mean, you got your first test coming um, on Monday night, eleven or uh, next, yeah, on the seventh of November, seven p.m. And then South Florida, a team that took you to a very, very close game last year in Orlando, I think, or was it Tampa? I think it's Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, they play at the same arena as yeah, the yeah, Lightning. Yep. So that was a very, very close one last year. And then you got Winthrop. So that's that was an interesting team out of the Big South, I think, two years ago. So mm-hmm. not just a walk in the park to start off with, but it's not the hardest you could have. You could. It's not the Champions Classic. No. But, you know, the meat of the schedule is pretty big this year. Oh, without, without question, especially near the start of it, too. Oh, yeah. Like, the SEC is going to be brutal. You need to just take advantage of those when you can. I mean, those last, the last three games Auburn has at Kentucky, at Alabama, and then at home versus Tennessee. Or at, yeah, at home versus Tennessee. You got to be able to do something out of that one. And yeah. going to Rupp's going to be tough. I think we, Bama's going to be the easiest one on there. But it, I'm going to be interested to see where this Tennessee team is at the end of this, at the, at, when we play Tennessee there, because uh, here, because then we play Tennessee on the 4th of February in Knoxville. So that was going to be interesting. I may go to that yeah, one. I traveled up to the Auburn-Tennessee game last year. It wasn't the best experience, but... I have friends there from Tennessee, so I think it'd be okay if I went. Yeah, I'm sure you'd have a good time, but... Yeah. Just... It, it, that, was a, that was a frustrating game last year. It was. We had a, some frustrating February-March scenarios with that team. Oh, yeah. But we had some good times. January, oh, we didn't lose a home game. We didn't. I think we do that again. Not, not on this desk that we have here. But... I'm really excited for this team. I think this is. I've been talking to people around here. Granted, me and you both really didn't grow up Auburn fans, but you were around them at least. But like this, they've been saying this is the most anticipated season minus the 2020 year after coming off the Final Four. So, okay. I mean, I'm excited for Auburn basketball. Kick starts on Monday. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to write an article later on. It's going to be published tomorrow. Auburn men's basketball preview. If you feel so inclined, check it out. WeagleFM.com. And be sure to follow the – if you're an Auburn student, be sure to follow the AU Jungle on all social media platforms. If you feel so inclined. If you feel so inclined, of course. And also, if you feel so inclined, to join the best student section in the country. The link is in the bio on said social medias. So, if you want, if you're an Auburn student. It's a fun time. It is. Griggs and I are on the leadership staff. You can uh, DM us with any questions you may have. We'll be happy to help you out. But yeah, it's going to be a fun season. But, yeah, with that, we're going to wrap up our Auburn Tigers basketball and college basketball preview. We'll definitely talk more about it as it gets into the season. But when we come back, our final segment for who you got, we're talking about the World Series that's getting down to the wire now. When we come back on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We've had a loaded show today. We've talked about anything and everything that includes – you gonna All do sorts it? of stuff. <laughs> NFL, NBA, NA, yeah, you, you get it. The sports. The sports, the, the sports collection. But now it is time to talk about the World Series, and you know what baseball-related content means. No, no, don't do it. Drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Every time. Without, with, just without no, question. No, my ESPN died. Mm, I got oh. mine just in time. But we, that, that's pretty good. Usually, usually – Gives way around like eleven, so that's good. Yeah, it had a good. But run the there. World Series, let's start talk. Let's talk first about last night's game. So 
Last night was the second ever no-hitter in World Series history. The first was, of course, Don Larson's perfect game. But the Astros threw a combined no-hitter against the um, against the Philadelphia Phillies. So that was incredible. That was nuts. Astros win 5 nothing. Ten hits to the Phillies, zero hits. Aaron Nola with the loss. So he's been pretty disappointing this postseason. But now it's kicking into high gear. Game 5 tonight, 7.03 p.m. on Fox at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Line is right now, Houston is a 160 underdog with a over-under of 7.5 runs. You can get into this one, Daniel, for as low as $740. Goodness. It's going to be a real tough night for Philly fans, we were saying earlier, because they have to split their attention between this and the Birds. Birds also play tonight oh, against Houston. Oh, come on. No way. There's no way. You got to focus on this. Yeah, you have. To. I mean, you're playing the Houston Texans. I get if maybe it was like the Cowboys or something like that. They probably have like both. You know what would be crazy? What? What if like the Sixers and Rockets played tomorrow or something? Then that would just be like feel like it would be fixed. Yeah, for sure. But, yes, so tonight the probable pitchers are Justin Verlander for the Houston Astros and a name we've not heard in a long, long time starting for the Philadelphia Phillies. Noah Syndergaard. Last time Noah Syndergaard was pitching in the World Series, he had on a different pair of pinstripes in the same division. So I'm interested to see how he can do. I really am. But, you know, Verlander struggled, Griggs. You know, his ERA in the playoffs is seven. So he's kind of, I don't know. The yes, Verlander has won. struggled in the World Series. I mean, he's think about the ones he's been to. He's been with one with the Tigers and then all these ones with the Astros. So he struggled in those starts he's had in the Dude, World Series. Dude, I forgot about those ones, that one against the Tigers. I mean, think about the Tigers. Or the Giants, the, I mean. The Tigers also had, um, you had Verlander, and then you also had Scherzer. And prime Miguel Cabrera. Which is why if the Mets don't do anything, this could be seen as a failure on par with that. It's hard to believe that just, you know, not really that long ago how good Detroit was. Same thing with the Rangers. The Rangers went to back-to-back, too. That's another thing I forget about. The Rangers went to back-to-back World Series, too. Time moves fast in baseball. It really does. It was six years yesterday that the Cubs won the World Series. Six years. Yeah, it was a year ago today that the Braves won. Yesterday, I mean. Er, yeah. And it was my parents' anniversary the other day. So really? A lot of, well, for the, when we were in the Eastern time zone so when the Cubs won, so it was the November 3rd, but I'm oh, here, okay. so Chicago time is still November 2nd. I think that's where we're going. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. So. Or you could go at like Cleveland time. I think that's probably the same. I can't remember if that's. It's well, so wacky. I think Ohio, I think Ohio's in the Eastern. I'm pretty sure. I'm so glad that, you know. But it doesn't matter because World Series, hard. like Chicago, it was mattered there more. But yes, so tonight's matchup. How did the Phillies even rally back after that abysmal performance in Game Game th- uh, Four? After oh, I know how. Looking electric after Game One. Oh boy. No, 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 no. You just need one of these. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. I set him up for that, probably. I deserve that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, exactly. They, they don't just need a home run. They need a hit. Yeah. They need to get on base. And Verlander has been, a- has been able to be exposed in this postseason so far. Yeah, but being for real, just kind of, I feel like you really just got to get back to the fundamentals. Your offense is what got you here. So you've got to remember that you can hit. And you've really just got to kind of lock in and focus. And I know that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you're going to kiss this chance to win a World Series goodbye. Yeah, I mean, after this one, I mean, you ha- if you you really need a 3-2 lead going into Houston because you don't want to have to win out in Houston. No, you don't. Going to Game 7, and that, that would be wild. 
But then they take a break off on Friday, and then they come back on Saturday to play Game 6 in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Tickets can get into this one for $580. Zach Wheeler is going to be the starting pitcher for the Phillies 0-1 and with a 7.20 ERA. I think that's World Series stats. I'm pretty sure. I think. But regardless, they really need this one badly. Or, or whoever pitches for Houston, I mean, it matters what happens tonight, but Let's just say, let's just say for the sake of things, Philly wins tonight. They win their home game. Yeah, I At, agree. Astros are going to need some. I mean, this Astros team has been one of the more consistent teams in baseball history with this stretch they've had. Yeah, and if they, what if they, you know, find some way to, or not find some way, but if they don't win this one, and then this core just. Wouldn't that be crazy if they go to all these World Series and can only win one, and the one you do wins kind of, eh. kind of like you don't deserve it. The New Orleans Saints. Mm. We're not doing that. I'm today. kidding. We're I'm not kidding. Doing that today. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I remember Sean hearing Sean Payton's name earlier today, and just oh, you set me up for that one too. I did. But yeah, I mean, this Astros team, like, granted, they had the cheating stuff that happened, but after they, I mean, they're still going doing the stuff without the cheating. So True. that's why they also win this one. I feel like they'd be vindicated a little bit more because they actually won this one. People might get off them a little bit. Everyone minus like Yankees fans, probably. I'd say. I feel like having Trey Mancini and Dusty, or yeah, kind of Dusty. Trey, Baker, but, Trey Mancini mainly. Yeah, I feel like having him kind of makes them more likable. Um, I'd like to see Christian Vasquez get a ring. That'd be kind of cool. The uh, Red Sox catcher that we dealt to the Astros while we were in the middle of playing them. Mm. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Yeah, because they literally told him during warm-ups they got traded. He was like, oh, okay, who's my new team? And they were like, there. It's kind of like that scene out of uh, Moneyball. I remember when Billy Bean signs that uh, pitcher. He's like, hey, I don't want him pitching against me tonight. Tell him to get dressed and come over here. Like, <laughs> kind of like that scene. That was hilarious. I oh, love that movie. That is a great movie. One of my favorites. Um, but in Coming terms- up soon, a special version of the Eagle's Nest, top ten sports movies ever. I feel like we did like – top like three or something last year or so, one I we think did we, we did like favorite. the random like segment at the end of it last yeah. year some um but we might bring that back once the yeah. sports equinox is over yeah but for tonight really uh 59 chance for espn's fpi for their matchup thing um the football power index football, is predicting not football baseball. power and <laughs> the whatever they do but i don't really know which way i'm leaning tonight because it's both every know. single game has been besides game one has been really clear cut. Yeah. And so there's not been like a true like game besides game one where it's been like, okay, the Phillies were able to win close in game one, but then the Astros destroyed them in game two and then the Phillies destroyed them in game three and then the Astros destroyed them in game four. So like if it comes down to the clutch, I mean, I've got to give that push really to the Phillies right here in this one because they've been in that situation in the World Series so far and they did it on the road. Mm-hmm. I agree. And especially this is going to be more of like a bullpen game when I was hearing at the end of the Fox broadcast last night, so we could see. I mean, at this rate, I mean, with Verlander starting tonight, and then um, Verlander starts tonight, you could use him as like a relief pitcher coming in a couple yeah. in a couple days. But this has been a great World Series. I watched it a has. decent amount of it, just for teams that like I don't really care too much about. I mean, mm, just I'm kind of indifferent on both. Like I don't really <laughs> like either, but I don't really hate. I mean, I like. The Philly fans right now is just hilarious. The yeah. stuff that they're all doing on social media and like stuff on social. No, if the Phillies and the Eagles win 
World Series and Super Bowl in the same year. I don't think the 76ers are even going to have a home arena to play in. Probably not, no. That w- and then, like, the Flyers are looking okay, too. <laughs> the 70, who would have thought the 76ers were weighing down Philly sports? Right. Come on, Joel. Come on. Or but, don't. Or d- don't come on, actually. <laughs> but if you're, like, I'm trying to think. If you're the Phillies, what, like you said, the hitting, but what is the what do the Astros need to do really tonight, Daniel, to just take, um, this three, take a 3-2 lead back into Houston? Just another dominant performance on the mound. Verlander is capable of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Um, so if Verlander can really bring it tonight and kind of keep Philly off the board, and if the Houston bats can come alive early, I really feel like that's the best recipe to an Astros win. Um, and on the flip card for um, the Phillies, you need – I don't think you even really need a perfect performance from Syndergaard because realistically I just don't think you're going to get it. But if Syndergaard can go four or five innings and hold the Astros to a run or two, I really like Philly's chances of taking the lead back to Houston. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, you just need that consistency, really. It's a, It's been a tale of two things for this team. It's like one team, both these teams haven't shown. I mean, granted, the Astros got a pretty big in game one. People forget that, and the Phillies came back. So it's about that resilience. Can the Astros do that for themselves so they get in a hole like that? I don't know. We've not seen it happen yet. Because remember, they swept their way through the entire American League pennant. Yeah. The whole postseason in the American League. But granted, they didn't have to play the wild card round because they were that team. So they played less games than the Phillies. But again, the Phillies, third wild card team in the MLB, third wild card team in the East, in the National League, sorry. Mm. And then Astros, number one seed in all of baseball. Yeah. It's so crazy. You have the least versus like the best, kind of like a. David and Goliath story because mm. Joe um, Joe Torrey was fired as the Phillies manager this year. Right, people forget that they're still with an interim manager who I imagine is going to be getting a hefty pay raise in a drop of one of those title names in front of his job description. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm excited for this one. It's going to be some good baseball. I think I am too. Uh, I'll be keeping up with it during the Auburn women's basketball scrimmage versus Tuskegee tonight. It's going to be fun. I'm either. I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. Do we get to see Harrison Tarr tonight? I hope so. I hope so. I bet he's listening. Harrison, let us know. Let us know, Harrison. And come on the show again. Don't be scared. Just because the Steelers are not doing well, you can come on the show. This this is the eagle's nest of sadness when it comes to NFL talk right now. Yeah, we don't like NFL. We don't. We don't at all. Even though it's king. Yes, NFL is king. I didn't say that. Thank you for reminding (laughs) me, Daniel. But yeah, that is going to do it for our baseball talk. When we come back, it's everyone's favorite segment. The only segment we've had every show. It's who you got. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. You're once again here with Griggs Blankenberg and Daniel Locke. But this is now the final segment of our show. It's been a great show today. We've talked about it all from football to college, basketball, and NBA, NHL, Auburn football, debacle, and the World Series. But now it's time for who you got. Daniel and I's weekly picks. To fill you in what happened last week, Daniel went 7-3. and three. I went 6-3. Six and 6-4, and four, sorry. So now the rankings is Daniel's in the lead with at 57-43. And I'm in second. Uh, of course, there's only two places. Daniel is still at the lead, 57-43. I'm at 53-47. So it's getting close. But Daniel pulled one game ahead of me over the last week. But let's jump into it right now. First off, in the world of college football, the biggest game of probably this college football season up to this point, it is the ten, number one Tennessee Volunteers 
going to Athens to take on the number three Georgia Bulldogs. Daniel, who you got? You know, I'd like to pick Tennessee, but like their Alabama was at home, Kentucky was at home, Florida was at home. The only like big road win they have is LSU. And, you know, LSU's proven to be better now than they were then. But at the same time, I feel like that's just a tale of two different teams. So I feel like Tennessee's kind of unproven on the road. So for that, I'm going to go Georgia. Georgia did struggle at the beginning of this year, or besides the Oregon game. I mean, no doubt about it. They struggled against Kent State a little bit. They struggled at Missouri. Mm-hmm. They struggled. They're not the same team as it was last year. Yeah. Granted that, they lost a lot on defense. But, however, this, again, I don't think it's a matter of the Tennessees going on the road. It's a matter of Georgia at home, mm-hmm. I feel like. That's going to be the difference here. So I'm going to go with the Bulldogs just because of the defensive strength they still have. And that if Stetson Bennett can find a way to get past the secondary of um, Tennessee's defense, which is really their only struggle they've had so far. If they can do that, I think they can find a way to win. Next up, though, we travel to Raleigh, North Carolina, where the Wake Forest Demon Deacons are going to the NC State Wolfpack. This is on Saturday night. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to go with Wake Forest. Uh, Sam Hartman bounce back game. Um, I don't think NC State's that good. So, and I feel like Wake Forest actually is really good. So I think they're going to show that in Raleigh. It's hard to play as bad as Wake was on against Louisville, and like mm-hmm. have. There's no way they could probably do worse. Knock on wood for that. But I'm going to go Wake Forest. I think they bounce back on this one. I don't think at the beginning of this year I would have been scared of NC State. If they but they don't have Devin Leary anymore. He's out for the year. So I'm gonna go with uh Wake Forest. Moving on down to Baton Rouge, the LSU Tigers play host to the Alabama Crimson Tide. This one could have significant SEC West impacts. Daniel, who you got? Yeah, Griggs, I think this kind of is the SEC West championship game. It's kind of funny how we have both the SEC East and West championship game on the same weekend. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have to go with Alabama. I'd like to pick LSU, but I just haven't really seen enough. So they could prove me wrong, but they're going to need a big day from that pass defense. They really could. I'm going to go with the Crimson Tide as well. I think LSU's getting near the right direction. My pick of Brian Kelly's not going to last a year and a half. Is not looking too good right now. No, it's not. Not at all. After FSU, I was sitting pretty high on that pick, but not anymore. But I'm going to go with the Crimson Tide. I think they're going to find a way to get this one. I think it'll be close, but not to the point where Alabama will ever worry too, too much. So no. I'm going to go with the Crimson Tide. Moving on to down over to South Bend, Indiana, right near Touchdown Jesus. The Clemson Tigers are traveling to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to take on Notre Dame. That is going to be an NBC, I think it's 6 or 5.30, something like that. Yeah, and it's on Peacock as well. They always do different times, like not like the 6.30, 6 o'clock slot, just yeah. to change it up a little bit, always for for Notre Dame. But this one's interesting. This I think this is the first time Clemson's been back since they lost in 2020. Yes, it I is. I believe so, because they played last year, I think. Yeah, 2021 correct. at Clemson. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting one. Mr. Locke, who you got? I would love to pick Notre Dame. I love Marcus Freeman, and I'm very optimistic about the Irish program moving forward. However, I just can't bring myself to do it this week, so I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm going to go with Clemson as well. This is probably Clemson's last real test on their schedule until it gets to time to pick who's going to be in which games. I don't think they're as good as people think they are. However, they are better than Notre Dame, and they don't have they've proven themselves against the only competition they face. So, I'm gonna go with the Tiger, the Clemson Tigers. Now to the NFL, the Chargers are playing, going to Atlanta to take on the Falcons this Sunday. Daniel, who you got? 
I know this is going to come back to bite me in the butt, but I'm going to go with Marcus Mariota and the Falcons. They've shown me that they can compete with some of the best teams in the NFL, so I'm interested to see how they can do with a struggling Chargers team. Does Justin Herbert get it back on track this week? Does Marcus Mariota really prevail? We'll see. Oh, and um, they don't have Calvin Ridley anymore. That is true. Well, they didn't have Calvin. Like, he wasn't playing, though. Good point. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. I think – I still think that the Chargers are a good team. I mean, we all thought – everyone thought it was going to be really competitive in that division this year, the AFC West. Yeah. And then the Chiefs decide to be the Chiefs, and then everyone else kind of dropped off a little bit. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I still think they're a decent team. <clears throat> Justin Herbert's still young. He just needs to learn not to make those boneheaded decisions. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Moving on now to, I believe this is the 325 game. I don't yep. think, is this? Yes, 325 game. Titans at Chiefs. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. Daniel, who you got? So last year when the two teams met up in Nashville, the Titans absolutely, Derrick Henry ran all over the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Wait, did they have Derrick for that? I don't know. I can't remember. I know he was, I'm just going to, I think he did. I think he played. If not, my friend Ben, who's a big Titans fan, will text me. But we'll just say he did. Mm. Um, they beat the crud out of them. But I think it's going to be the literal opposite this year. Uh, Tennessee is dog water. They're just not that good. Ryan Tannehill's not that good. And Derrick Henry, just a running back in this day and age, cannot do it all. So I think the Chiefs But Lamar's win. doing pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah, fair, you see what I did there? Enough. Yeah. Um, I think the Chiefs win and win convincingly. Not so fast, my friend. Oh? I think the Titans are going to win this one really? because Derrick Henry, after the way he played against Houston, looked pretty good. And right now, I don't think it's Tannehill. It, I think it might be Malik Willis. I think it actually might be because he huh. played the last game. Tannehill was hurt, so I don't – That's want, right. He, I know he didn't – he threw it like ten times, but when Derrick Henry was cooking like that, they didn't need to throw too much. And this is also the Sunday night game. My apologies for that. But I think the Titans are going to do it because Derrick Henry is anywhere close to what he was doing against Houston – Kansas City is going to be in for a rough day. Yeah. Moving to the NBA Friday night, tomorrow night, the Bulls are traveling to TD Garden to take on the Seas. I'll be on NBC. Daniel, you got or ABC or ESPN. ESPN. Third time yeah. charm. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very excited for this one. Uh, obviously, the Celtics dropped to the Cavaliers last night, one fourteen, one thirteen in overtime. I'm interested to see how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and crew can respond, and the Bulls are cooking. So this will be a good test, but a good chance to get back on track at home. I'm going to go with the Celtics. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go with the Celtics as well. I still think don't think Zach Levine's going to be back right for this one. I know he was out the other night, so I'm going to go with the Celtics in this one. I think they got because if Jalen Brown played anything like he did last night, granted they lost. I th- still think they got a good chance. Moving on now to the MLB, the World Series. We already talked about this a lot. Game five. We're predicting Game 5 and Game 6 are the only two confirmed games to happen. Since Game 7, it's not going to happen until after Game 6. So, Daniel, who you got? Huh. So, I said Strohs and 6 at the start. Um, I think that's going to happen. I think the Strohs take the Game 5 tonight and Game 6 on Saturday and win their second World Series title in five years. I can't remember. I think I, I, think I said Phillies in – I thought I said Phillies in 5 or 6. One of those two. I know I picked the Phillies. I want to say you said Phillies in six. I can't. I'll look back at it later. But I'm going to go with the Phillies in game five. I think they. there's no way they lose at home, especially when they're showing Eagles the Eagles game highlights on the scoreboard 
during breaks in the action. So I'm going to go with the Phillies in that one. But then we'll, game six, we're on the same path for this one. I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they don't drop that game at home, and we're going to be in for a very, very, very fun game seven that I will definitely be watching. On Ooh, that's a Sunday night game. That's going to be interesting. NFL versus MLB. So we'll see how that one works because it's going up against Titans and Chiefs. But finally, the game we've talked about. We didn't talk about this one too much at all, to be honest, but talk about it a little bit here. Auburn at Mississippi State. It'll be 6.30 p.m., I believe, on SEC Network? Uh, Yeah. That's that's not great because I don't have SEC Network. But here we go. Daniel, who you got? I think that the air raid is going to absolutely run Auburn out of Starkville, unfortunately. Here's the thing I'll say about this. Because, granted, we talked about this a little bit earlier that the air raid wasn't working too well in the first half really against Auburn this past season, but they found a way to overcome that. Yeah. I have Mississippi State in this game. However, I believe in Cadillac Williams. I think he could do something with this game. They have to, They know they have to win this game really to be any realistic chance of getting into a bowl game. Because I'm not. I'm a, a pretty optimistic person, but winning in Tuscaloosa with this team right now, not too likely. So I'm gonna go with Mississippi State in this one. But I would love to be proven wrong, as probably you would be as well. I just think that pass offense might be too much for Auburn. Yeah, every now and then I'm absolutely okay with being wrong, and this is one of those times. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that is going to do it for us this week's episode of the Eagles Nest. If you missed any of today's episode, you can check us out on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back here same time next week. For Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagles Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagles Nest. See you next week.